Hi, and welcome to The Sustainable Century, where we explore with experts, with leaders, activists, communities of interest, mothers, fathers, and kids, how to buy, how to work, and how to invest for happier lives and a healthier planet. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. I just want to warn you in advance that we were moving offices during the taping of this particular podcast, so we have a lot of echo in the background from my end, but you don't want to listen to me. You want to listen to Rosetta Lendis-Weaver as she tells us all about As You Sow. Thanks for your understanding. We'll be back with our higher quality podcast next time around. Uh, Our guest today is Rosetta Lendis-Weaver. She's program manager of, get this, Power of the Proxy, Executive Compensation. There's a colon in there somewhere. But her other title, the one I like more, Program Manager, the 100 Most Overpaid CEOs. She works with As You Sow. It's a great organization. The publication, the 100 Most Overpaid CEOs, is a great publication. Everybody should take a look at it. As You Sow is a leading national nonprofit in the United States uh, using shareholder advocacy to create lasting change that benefits people, planet, and profit. Welcome, Rosanna. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's it's going to be fun. I mean, I think people are very interested, obviously, in uh, CEO pay. I just want to start off by, by saying, like, in the context of the expanding gap between the top wage earners and the lowest wage earners, or income earners, I suppose I should say, uh, and also in the context of some 80 million people or so in the United States that are struggling to get by on minimum wage or less, uh, CEO pay just seems to keep rising, or at least it seems to. And, and you guys started looking at this issue in uh, 2015, was it? Yeah, we've been doing the report for five years now. Wow, it's, it's remarkably, uh, some of the findings are remarkable, and it's a remarkably important work, uh, Rosanna. So thanks, Thank thanks to you and to As It Sows. Now, here's, here's my, my first question. Well, I know everybody's eager to hear about the grossly overpaid CEOs, but let's start with some basics. Can you explain in some fairly simple, simple terms, uh, or in a way that a non-investor might understand, what As You So does? You know, well, so the fight for a sustainable future, it, it has to be fought on every front. And as you so's particular front is engaging with corporations. Uh, we try to promote environmental and social corporate responsibility through shareholder advocacy, uh, coalition building, and uh, innovative legal strategies. Yeah. So what does a shareholder advocate do? I mean, they go to, they throw dead fish on the boardroom table or <laughs> march up and down at annual general meetings? I mean, what do they do? Some some do attend meetings, and I've I've attended my share of annual shareholder meetings, which is fascinating. But maybe another discussion sometime. Uh, the uh, work that we do tends to be around shareholder resolutions, and this is where the coalition building comes in, as well. Is we might put out a shareholder proposal and encourage others then to support um, what we're doing. I work on a lot is how shareholders vote on things. Shareholders have a lot of power they don't use, and, and a lot of us are shareholders. 
So what do you mean, like um, all the different individual investors, institutional investors, they come together and they, and they, they say, hey, stop polluting or stop treating people bad? That's exactly how, I mean, how it works. There are shareholder proposals on a variety of topics, and there's become more and more noise, noise about it. One of the ways we know it's starting to bother people is uh, people in Washington are really pushing back on it. Uh, and then the in the Trump administration, so that's that's no a good kidding. sign that we're getting attention. But the uh, shareholders get to vote on a number of things just every year as part of you know their responsibility, their fiduciary responsibility, and and it's one of the benefits of ownership. Uh, now, many of us don't own directly, but our shares are still voted, and so we need to sort of look up the chain and see how our shares are voted too. Right, exactly. But, you know, I read, I read recently, and you're probably familiar, more familiar with this than me, though, uh, some shareholder advocates uh, wanted to put a pretty weak question on the AGM agenda at Exxon around climate change. And, the, S and the SEC said, uh, no, you don't. Yeah. 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 The SEC is, has uh, clearly changed hands. Uh, and uh, does not appear to be as supportive of investor initiatives as they used to be. Yeah, um, so that's that's diluted the power of the shareholder just a little bit, I suppose. Well, on, I mean, it, it means there are some shareholder proposals we can't do, but there are other things we get to vote on. And in fact, one of those is pay. So tell us why CEO pay is an important issue, and and what you know, what should we. What, 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 what should we be thinking maybe when we see these startling numbers about how much they actually do get paid that, that we see in the press all the time? Be, besides comparing it to our own paychecks. Right. I, I mean, I think, I, I think this is a piece of income inequality that is pervasive. And I mean, when I started doing this work, people didn't talk about income inequality very much. And, and the statistics weren't as well known as they are now. But the vast, vast increase in CEO pay while, while worker pay has remained flat and, and the S&P 500 has increased and you know, the value of the stock has increased, but not enough. So it's true. I mean, the, the CEO pay is, is really on the rise and that's not, that's not uh, something that's been happening for a long, long time. It's more recent. No, it's been happening for, I mean, basically since the early nineties, it's actually, the rate of increase has slowed down, but now we've got so much excess baked in the system, uh, and it's it's such a huge systemic problem in many ways. But I mean, you would think though that um, a lot of the I mean non-sustainability-minded uh, uh, shareholders would say, "Come on, this is ridiculous. This is you're making fifty-two million dollars in a year." And how do they? I mean, how do they justify that? How how can you actually justify? You know, I was actually quoted in Variety magazine uh, headline, and it was something I just uh, sort of said randomly. But somebody asked me why CEOs were paid so high, and I said because they could be. Um, there really is no justification, but they can get away with it. Uh, there's a, a system, a broken system, uh, on many levels with directors who are not truly independent and compensation consultants who are uh, also, you know, in the business of making money first, and you get rehired more often if you uh, suggest new things, right? right. So uh, there's a lot going on there, a so lot going on. There's a bit of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink uh, thing going on there, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, 
there's, there's, again, larger systemic issues. I think one of the problems with CEO pay, actually, is it encourages uh, excessive CEO pay, encourages excessive pay elsewhere in the system. So, you know, then you see university presidents and people at hospitals and, and all these sorts of things, hospital CEOs, thinking they, too, are sort of entitled. And it, mm. it becomes, you know, part of the entitlement of the wealthy class, uh, which is yeah. very, very problematic for society on so many levels. Yeah, and so many, so many different ways. But so I want to come back and talk a little bit about the relationship between uh, pay and performance. But first, I want to take a little break and listen to a bit of music. Uh, we're talking with Rosanna Landis-Weaver. She's the program manager of the 100 Most Overpaid CEOs at As You So. And if you want to get a hold of her, you can see her on Twitter at, at Landis Weaver, and that's uh, L-A-N-D-I-S-W-E-A-B-E-R. Uh, or if you want to check out As You So, it's www.asyouso.org. Jet, put your money where your mouth is. Apropos for shareholder activists uh, and a few double entendres notwithstanding. Uh, welcome back. We're talking with Rosanna Landis Weaver, uh, program manager, uh, the 100 most overpaid CEOs. She works at uh, As You So. Um, before we get to the uh, most overpaid CEO data, which everybody is probably really waiting for, I, I just want to ask you, what does overpaid actually mean? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question. I mean, it can mean any number of things. The um, When I started this project, part of what our report particularly tries to do is is look at how public pension funds and SRI funds and all these uh, different funds, you know, money managers as well, vote on CEO pay packages. And we were, uh, I was tasked with coming up with this list of who the most overpaid were, you know, and some people were just like, they're all overpaid. <laughs> they're all the same, you know, and, and I think that's a defensible argument, actually. Um, you could sort it in a number of different ways. We have our methodology, and I don't want to take up our time here. That's all outlined in the report, uh, which is, as you said, available online. Uh, what we're looking at is overpaid in terms of basically we are looking at how, how the pay has changed versus how performance has changed. And we also look at how shareholders have uh, felt about pay in the past. Okay. 
So uh, I do a drum roll, but uh, I don't have a drum. <laughs> but give us a sense of what some CEOs are getting paid, and and be pick the most egregious ones if you need to. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, I think one of the really interesting ones right now, for all kinds of reasons, is is Disney, um, and uh, he's been on our top ten list every year, um, and is again this year. But what's really interesting to me about Disney is that last year they had a failed, so we haven't touched this yet. Quick, stepping back quickly, shareholders get to vote on pay. We talked earlier about shareholder resolutions, right. but since 2010, shareholders get to vote on executive compensation. That's a new thing, right? Relatively new. Um, that's under Dodd-Frank. And so that's partly where our report comes out of the genesis of, of why we're looking at all this stuff because it's a new power that people have that people didn't have during the the 90s when pay was increasing as rapidly as it did right. um so disney is a really interesting case because last year they their um pay package failed the majority of shareholders voted against it now it's not a mandatory kind of thing but the company and the board still changed and and either also, you know, accepted some changes in his contract, and, and the hope was that it would, you know, get voted in favor of this year, and then it was still sort of on the edge, and then like, literally like three days before the annual meeting, he accepted another cut in pay, and to me, this is a really useful and vivid example of uh, how how shareholders can make a difference, and and how it can really capture attention, and, and be a useful thing to talk about in a larger uh, larger situation. I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I mean, wh what was the decrease from like 50 billion to, to 48 million? Or? Oh, you know what? I do not have that at my fingertips. It was about his contract. Okay. Um, he had signed a ridiculous employment contract and he agreed to cuts. I think if it was at least half a million a year going forward, I mean, he's not going to be suffering. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not worried about him. I think he'll be all right. It's, yeah, I mean, and this is one of the issues that comes up is because when they go from extraordinarily excessive to merely excessive, too many shareholders are like, oh, well, okay, that's better. Um, whereas I think we need to, we really need to keep on the drill that it's, it's too much. Yeah. Well, I think you just named the, the title of this podcast from extremely to merely excessive. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but can you give us a, who was the highest paid CEO in your study? So last year, it was uh, Ronald Clark from Fleet Corps. Um, his pay was over $52 million. Then we had Oracle. Um, two, they have two CEOs. Combined, $81 million. Broadcom, $103 million. Oh. Mondelez. Yeah, oh. I know. Um, it, I will say that what we use is the figure reported in the summary compensation table, and there are a few reasons why that might not be the best or why that figure – can either understate or overstate what CEO pay actually is, but it is it is still an important. Uh, it's it's the universally disclosed figure, so it's what we use, and, and, that, and those are the figures I'm referring to here. That includes the pay packet, the bonuses, the shares, it, well, all it, that, all exactly. that stuff. Exactly. Well, it includes like a present day assumption of what the options are going to be worth. Mm. What's been happening in the bull market is CEO pay is actually what's what's showing up here is far less than what CEOs have made because 
many, many CEOs have cashed out of the at the top market and talk a little bit about the relationship millions and millions and millions beyond what you might see in the And you know you hear in the popular press, or at least part of the popular press, the more conservative part, that they need to get compensated so much so they can attract the best talent. I mean, is there a relationship between pay and performance? Not the kind you might expect, uh, or not the kind they say it is. I, there's a great book um, by Steve Clifford called The CEO Pay Machine, How It Trashes America and How to Stop It. He was a, uh, a member of compensation committees and, and so forth. And he talks about the performance delusion, that corporate boards you know, can measure and reward CEOs' performance accurately. And I love this analogy. He talks about how you could go to an evening of roulette and conclude the best gamblers were rewarded for their performance and say, how do you know they were the best gamblers? Because they won the most money. That's sort of the weird circle that CEO pays in right now. Right. Now, what we've interestingly found out, we went after we'd been doing the report a few years, we went back and looked at the companies that were overpaid the first year. And the firm's stock price vastly underperformed the market. So CEOs that are paid the worst, in our opinion, their stock price then goes down. Uh, it's a really interesting little fact. Is there any, any causality that you found for that particular correlation? I, you know, I have some theories, um, but nothing, nothing direct. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, one, one of my theories is, in fact, a CEO that feels like the company is, is going to be in trouble in the future tries to get as much money as he can before he leaves mm -hmm. or before mm -hmm. before it crashes. So I mean I I have had other people tell me they look at CEO as CEO pay as, as a way of analyzing risk, uh, company right. risk. Because it really tells you sort of what level of confidence the, the company has in itself. Well you, you know you, you know I, I'm a avid ice hockey player, well ex ice hockey player and you know how many times a star uh, performs poorly the first year of a big long-term contract? It's, it's <laughs> like 50%. Maybe there's something there. Uh, listen, I want to ask you as well about uh, CEO pay in relation to the average Jane or Joe working at a big company. Right. So this is something that's been newly disclosed this year is the pay ratio. Uh, people, the business community fought it. They said the world would fall apart if they had to disclose it. Uh, they've disclosed it and the world hasn't fallen apart. Yeah, I noticed uh, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it has, but that's, well, not, that's not the it, top of the list for sure. Not for that reason particularly. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's been really interesting to look at. For example, I looked this up before our call today because we, get, we eat pizza in my house, right? We've got kids. So the median employee at Papa John's earns 9000 a year, mm -hmm. and the ratio of the median employee to the CEO is 614 to 1. Oh. At Yum Brands Pizza Hut, the median employee earns 9000 basically. The ratio is 1,358 to 1, right? I mean, <laughs> they're, they're saying the employee, the CEO is worth 1,300 of his employees, which is ridiculous. Um, Domino's does a little bit better. Their median employee is 19,000. The ratio is 477 to 1. But then, this is where we get our pizza. Costco, the median employee earns 38,000, which starts getting closer to a, a livable uh, wage. And the ratio is 191 to 1. So I, I think having this data is a really useful insight into who's taking the high road and who's taking the low road. Yeah. yeah, I did some calculations before as well. I looked at your numbers for uh, the average uh, in your um, in your report, and it was two hundred and seventy-three or something like that. 
uh, anyways, I looked at it for Germany, uh, it's 152, the ratio. And if you were making 20,000 a year, that means the CEO would be making 3 million. So that, I mean, that's not horrible, but gosh, I wish I made 3 million a year. <laughs> Me too. I just want to break into the six figures someday. Yeah. Well, I, th I think if everybody made three million, we'd, we'd have a different scale altogether. But nonetheless, right? Right. Right. Uh, listen, uh, okay. Now, with all these great insights and and the great data, and I, I really urge people, if you're at all interested in getting, you know, like upset uh, to read the report, <laughs> very no, it's really well done. And, and read, the, read the methodology part, too. It's worth it. So you understand that there is some real strength behind the uh, calculations in terms of the methodology. Um, and and um, so you got all these great insights and all this data. And at the top of the show, we talked about, you know, the power of shareholder advocacy. But I have to say, the gap doesn't seem to be shrinking, uh, Roseanne. Uh, what are we supposed to do here? What, how can we see a reverse in this trend that's meaningful and substantive. You know, again, I think this is an area where we have to fight on all fronts. Um, and I know there are some great state and local uh, laws, some that are basing uh, in Portland, Oregon, has one that bases, uh, has a surtax on companies that have an extraordinarily high CEO uh, worker pay ratio, which I think is a really interesting uh, way to look at it. And it's brought more money into Portland. Uh, the Shareholder voting is, you know, an important piece. And if you are a teacher and your money is a TIA craft, they do not vote very well, for example, um, mm -hmm. and need to be reminded of that. They tend to uh, vote in favor of too many. The other possibility, of course, and as you know, is, is moving your money to a, an SRI, although there's a lot of variation there. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I think... I'm hoping we've reached a tipping point. If if we haven't, I'm I'm fear for the future, honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can fear for the future on a lot of fronts, as you mentioned. And I think this this is indicative of of sort of the. I know this sounds a little conspiratorial, but you know, the vested interests have a vested interest in keeping things the way they are. And when you amass such fortune at the top, you also amass quite a lot of power. So this is troublesome in a lot of different. Ways. Absolutely. Yeah. But listen, you know, uh, if you are, this is great advice, if you are at all interested uh, in, in helping out as a teacher or maybe you're in a union somewhere or a bus driver or whatever, uh, you can do your own socially and environmentally responsible investment. You can check out my book. I'm going to shamelessly plug it. You gave me the, you gave me the platform here, uh, Rosanna. Uh, <laughs> it's invest like you give a damn and it's a DIY, a do-it-yourself a book on how to how to uh, uh, how to do uh, sustainable investment. But anyways, listen, Rosanna, if you were to give uh, if you were to give uh, the kids these days one little bit of advice about what they ought to do, uh, where they ought to work, and this kind of stuff, what would you say to them? Oh, that's interesting. I mean, pay attention. I also do think I think that. We all have a role to play, and we need good people inside the corporations. We need pe good people inside the money managers as well. Um, and in fact, there's some real power there that uh, could be utilized. And once you're inside and you have power, please call me. <laughs> 
Well, that's fantastic. Well, and I, I really want to take, uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, Rosanna. We've been speaking with uh, Rosanna Landis Weaver. She's the program manager uh, of the 100 Most Overpaid CEOs works at As You Sow. You can see her on Twitter at Landis Weaver, or you can check out the report, and I urge you to check out the report at asyousow.org. Thanks again so much, Rosanna. Thank you. This was just a pleasure.